We were told to stay on this side, and we have. And you see a lot of angry and some bigoted people on the left who have come over here, have tried to silence me or tried to mock me. No game, no registry, fuck white supremacy. I'm with him that, that we need to, to watch who's coming into the countries. And it doesn't mean that we're stopping, the, stopping it forever, the, the immigration from the, the refugees. It just means for right now. It's, it's clearly a, a kind of uh, overreaction by many American Muslims to Mr. Trump's statements. The truth is that he definitely uh, concerned about some security, some safety, some peace that is happening due to Muslims or Islam being associated with many of these radical terror, uh, terror groups. Protests all across the country, reaction from around the world after the president signed his executive order late Friday. America is the land of freedom. The land of freedom. So why would the president do this? Is it legal? Is it constitutional? And what kind of a process will we be seeing? I think the president is well-intended, but there is a process here, and truthfully, I'm a professor of immigration law. Congress has the plenary power to make laws. The president is using his discretion in enforcing the laws on the book. The question is whether or not in the enforcement he is selectively choosing one over another. I do agree with the president and I do believe he's a patriot and he's intending to do this well, that we need to have stronger vetting. You can't find documents from Syrians at all that are legitimate, so he shut it down from Syria. Well, is that the right approach or are there other incremental efforts that we can make? Uh, my name is Pranav Jandiala and I'm the president of BridgeCal. My name is Ross Irwin and I'm part of the executive board. So we kind of started developing this idea of BridgeCal back in November. Um, this idea just started to come into place where we realized the importance, especially during the election and after the election, of having a platform, a nonpartisan political platform for discussion between both sides. And uh, we, we talked a little bit uh, in the beginning of this second semester of the 2016-2017 year. Uh, had plans in the works for the club and once the Vi Milo event happened, we, we felt that, that the time was now, and we moved on it and had uh, our meeting a week after. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the violence served as the impetus. The violence was just, you know, a symptom of the political divide. And we've seen these symptoms come up now and now and again, you know, for the past several months, whether it be, you know, Trump's rally in San Jose or it be, you know, some other event on Inauguration Day or it be, you know, the Milo event itself. Um, we've seen instances uh, uh, where, you know, v passions are just spilling over, um, uh, you know, brimming over, um, you know, this once uh, sturdy glass that was able to contain ourselves was able to, um, you know, encompass the kind of discussion that we were able to have um, and I think that it's important for us to return to a state where the other side isn't just, you know, an enemy or a racist or a bigot, but uh, is someone that we can um, engage with and have productive discussions with and, you know, someone we might disagree with, but, uh, you know, someone um, who we're able to humanize with. And that was the impetus for starting Bridge Cal. We, we wanted to create a space where we could have two totally different viewpoints come and talk 
and understand what the other one wanted and needed and why they felt this way and that we could we could both leave the we could that both sides could leave the meeting with an understanding and hopefully new lessons and uh, information learned about the other side yeah uh there was there had been a court case i i don't remember the one right now that was ruling on uh illegal aliens within the country being entitled to certain uh, protections and laws and that that might constitute uh, a reason for these immigrants or refugees from Syria, Iraq, Iran, and the, the four other countries, that, that those, those people might be protected within that. But then the, the counterpoint was that, that those people do not re- reside within American space, and mm. so there was a, a lot of contention on that that subject. Yeah, and then when they, you know, talked about American space, they pushed the boundaries and said, you know what, American space involves wherever we, you know, extend our reach around the globe. Um, and I think that 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 the court case that was cited that you were talking about was a Texas Supreme Court case, um, mm-hmm. you know, allowing uh, undocumented students mm-hmm. um, to go to school in Texas. Yeah, mm-hmm. we felt that it would be a good starting point in the discussion um, because. Once you can decide whether or not it's constitutional, um, even if uh, you disagree or, dis- or agree with its constitutionality, then there's a whole nother door of issues. Mm-hmm. And we thought that we, you know, we get this out of the way and then we can go ahead and really talk about um, the rest of the, the meat, mm-hmm. of, meat of this, this issue. Uh, so generally, um, I guess I would call myself a moderate in general, like very, very general sense. I do not think I have any very firm, unchanging political views that I truly believe will never be subject to actual change. Um, Because I think that I really go back and forth on many issues where where I talk to a lot of my conservative friends who wage very good arguments, and I talk to my liberal friends, very intellectual, wage very, very liberal arguments for those. And uh, I'm very in the middle when it comes to a lot of political issues because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, now, with, well, now with this specifically, I, I am still very, very conflicted. Um, I have two friends specifically, John Ryder and, and Rudra Reddy, um, who were you know, two of the primary people um, leading that discussion the other day. Um, now, they were debating themselves you know, the days leading up to, up to the discussion. And mm-hmm. it would be the case that you know, they would come in with, you know, pages of research and then they would uh you know john had his views challenging he said oh my god rude was a genius i don't know what's mm-hmm. going on my views are and then he would come back and say oh wait but then this and mm-hmm. then Rudra would be like oh that's a good point so it's like it's when it when you get into the nuances of an issue and really really talk about them Rudra and, and john very opposite sides of the political spectrum but uh you know they had a very very engaging back and forth on the days leading up to it and i think that was reflected in the discussion mm-hmm uh, I would say personally, in general, I I, I kind of identify a, as a pretty extreme liberal, though as I, I come from a very conservative place, uh, and that has led me to not necessarily back down on my liberal views, but but try to understand where the other side is coming from, and and I, I've been able to talk with a lot of people from my hometown. Uh, who who 
who very understandably believe some of the things that I I am very opposed to. Uh, and so I think that 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 kind of makes me a moderate in the fact that I, I am very understanding of the conservative side. And I also think that we need to, as liberals personally, to give some concession to it and to work with them in that. Uh, on the travel ban, I personally, though conflicted, I think I'm opposed. Uh, I did a lot of research into the terror attacks that happened uh that have happened since 2000. There have been three that this travel ban would have, uh, that would have prevented because they were by Somali nationals and then, I believe in, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to make a guess on the, on the third one, but it was one of the countries uh, in the travel ban this person was a, a citizen of. Mm-hmm. <coughs> and I, and all three of those attacks, none of them were deadly. Of course, there were probably in total about 30 people injured. And I, and I know that, that people being injured is not something that we can just look mm-hmm. past. But I think if we look at the – if you look at all of the other terrorist attacks that have happened on this soil, there have been far many and far worse attacks by people who were – white supremacists or uh, or or people born here who had never mm-hmm. visited those countries who then felt uh, felt an allegiance to you know mm-hmm. uh, Islamic extremism that that that's what pushed them so I, I don't think that this travel ban is actually that good of a way to to stop uh, stop the things that it's claiming to stop like uh, yeah. terrorism within the. I think that that was an interesting point that was brought up, but really, um, another another counterpoint to that that I really um, thought was interesting was that you know these same countries, um, if you want to look at um, the specific countries and analyze why they were chosen, um, we don't know the full information, and we can never know the full information of our government's actions um, internationally, but. These were the exact same countries that Obama chose to mark true. Um, as as you know, uh, you know, dangerous places where we we should restrict immigration mm. or you know try to prevent or have more um, uh, you know stricter uh, vetting measures for these specific countries. Um, and though um, that would be you know uh, a more preemptive measure, that would be a more um, uh, measure that would be uh, you know. Uh, seeing things in the foresight and mm-hmm. uh, and looking at those specific countries and making a prediction based on them, um, rather than looking at events in the past or looking at a, you know what could have been prevented and looking at different things like that. So I think that um, you know it's important to consider that we don't know the full information mm-hmm. about everything. Mm-hmm. Additionally, honestly, uh, another point that was brought up was that. The, the deadliest terrorist attack uh, in our nation, 9-11, mm-hmm. was committed by 15 Saudi nationals. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then n- and the, the other four were not from countries on the list. I believe there's like two from Pakistan and yeah. one from Egypt. Uh, and, and so it, it, that was, though more... Though not a point 
waged on a, on a collection of data, it was interesting to see that the worst attack possible uh, was wouldn't wouldn't have even been hindered by this yeah. this ban. Yeah, I do I do agree with that point very mm-hmm. much. So the uh, the next question we had after uh, whether or not it was constitutional was uh, whether or not it constituted xenophobia. And the way we define xenophobia, um, or the way we, we uh, wanted uh, people to think about it, was um, the UNESCO definition, which was um, an, an attitudinal uh, orientation of hostility against non-natives in a given population. So that's the most popular accepted definition of xenophobia. Um, so uh, whether or not it constituted xenophobia was a uh, was a was less of a less of a kind of question that uh, required research and was more of a question that you know more people could talk about and more mm-hmm. people participated mm-hmm. and we definitely saw that during the discussion um, and I think that um, you know a couple a couple conservatives in the discussion you know. They admitted. They admitted. You know what? Yeah. Like if you define it this way, sure, it 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 would constitute xenophobia, right? But uh, you know, is is that uh, is the xenophobia justified or unjustified? Should we fear? Um, should we fear? Uh, you know, the immigration of a large amount of Islamic people mm-hmm. or not? And that's the real question. Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, you know. Um, that they brought up, and I thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, there, there was, was a lot, lot of there, there was, was a lot, lot of talk, talk about what has happened, happened in Europe and in, in some neighborhoods where, where the police are, are legitimately not uh, able, able to come, come because, because because these neighborhoods are now being uh, being ruled through uh, Sharia law, law by people within these communities that have either put themselves in that place or been elected to that place. And we have this, this in America, America there's total, total religious freedom. freedom. It is the First Amendment to our, you know, to our Constitution. But we still do not allow religion to, to, to simply, simply take hold of pieces of territory and rule them for themselves. That, that, is, that is not uh, protected. And so there, were, there was a lot of argument about, well, if we let in the same number of immigrants that, that, that Europe has, then we might be facing some, some more, more serious problems. And I think even some liberals were in agreement that, yes, you know, um, this is a very concrete issue. And they said, you know what, we should be talking about this concrete issue mm-hmm. rather than this, you know, ambiguous issue of whether or not they would come and they would actually engage in these specific acts that we predict them to engage in. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they uh, you know, a few, a few liberals, moderate liberals, talked about, you know, uh, wanting to focus in on the concrete issues mm-hmm. around the world that, um, that we should be focusing on. That the conservatives brought up too. Um, I do think that um, you know a lot of people brought up good arguments for why it would constitute xenophobia that would be unjustified. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that you know when you look at the, the ban specifically, um, you look at the different countries and you see obviously that they have a Muslim majority population. And what you're going on in many cases, regardless of what Obama or previous people did, but you're going on this assumption 
And I think I think it's it's some it's somewhat you know um, uh, a legitimate claim that you're going on the assumption that Islam is um, uh, you know a danger to us, and that whether or not that is true um, is a question um, you know for future discussion. But uh, if if you do hold the claim that you know Islam is a religion like any other religion, and that there are definitely some peaceful practitioners of it, and that we shouldn't discriminate people on the basis of Islam. And if you believe we shouldn't discriminate, so a lot of people argued if we shouldn't discriminate people on the basis of the religion, and if Islam is a religion like any other religion, then uh, um, why should we, you know, uh, ban these specific countries on the basis of them having a large Muslim majority population? So that's the fundamental argument that we saw for, um, uh, you know, when people said, does this uh, executive action uh constitutes xenophobia they said yes and this is why mm -hmm. they said yes mm -hmm. but then there, there was also a point that if this if this quote unquote muslim ban as as so many hashtags and headlines have called it uh if it's xenophobic then why are there huge populations of muslims in other countries like indonesia and pakistan and saudi arabia that that were not that were not targeted for this if it was against muslims you would assume that countries with even higher populations of muslims were would also be targeted mm -hmm. however there was also a point that these countries are some of the most most homogenous mm -hmm. most homogeneously muslim yeah. of uh of any other countries there there's not uh, there's not a country on this list that is uh less than 90 percent muslim in mm -hmm. fact there's not a country on the list besides syria that is less than 96 percent muslim syria is 90 90 percent muslim uh but then there are a lot of debates about syria and documentation that are that are a whole exactly. different animal than racism exactly and documentation <clears throat> um is another issue you know mm -hmm. Um, and our future question was, you know, um, how we would deal with uh, the Syrian refugee crisis, given that it's very hard um, to distinguish, um, you know, the right people from the wrong people. And then it's very plausible that the wrong people could be uh, within, could uh, surround themselves within these, uh, within these good people and, mm -hmm. and, and be able to get in um, mm -hmm. unnoticed because of, this very this very shaky documentation that they have, no mm -hmm. sturdy proof that they can provide, um, that they aren't part of uh, these different uh, terror groups or organizations. Mm -hmm. uh, is basically, uh, I would say, kind of the root of the of this question and mm -hmm. of this whole debate. the The travel ban is is mainly meant to or it has been broadcast to the public to less, lessen the threat of terrorism and extremism that these countries might bring. And so, so this question was a lot based around just, is it actually, you know, does this, will this significantly help uh, the safety of the American people and, and at what cost? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I definitely that's true. Um, and uh, when we when we got to this question, what a lot of people said was uh, was no. And I think both liberals and conservatives 
uh, we're in agreement that, you know, this isn't the best effective way because a lot of conservatives were in agreement that, you know, uh, we need countries like Saudi Arabia on the list. We need other countries on Absolutely. the list too. And they said even, you know, this is an end-all be-all mm -hmm. um, to, uh, to the problem of terrorism. So, um, you know, it's not a good question. Mm -hmm. The question should be whether or not this is a step in the right direction, mm. um, whether or not this is an action that we should take um, to address terrorism, not whether or not it is for sure going to be effective. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that was an important distinction that someone drew in the audience. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, that a lot of conservatives would say it doesn't matter whether or not it's strictly going to be effective. Mm -hmm. It matters whether or not it's going to be a step in the right direction. It matters whether or not um, it's uh, a step that we should take that could help us. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that um, when you prioritize security so highly, which a lot of people do, um, when you prioritize security that highly, um, then you're willing to take some sacrifices. You're willing to um, restrict a lot of people from coming here, a lot of good people from coming here, um, who could probably you know contribute to our economy. You can have a lot better lives here, mm -hmm. and you know just completely be peaceful citizens here. But you're willing to prioritize the security of the American people over that, and that's simply one of the fundamental um, types of beliefs and. When you uh, have this micro foundation of security um, versus something like um, equality or something like um, freedom or different things like that, and when you prioritize security, um, this is the kind of uh, belief system that's developed mm -hmm. among uh, conservatives. Mm -hmm. uh, but the one of the liberal arguments to this that, that I, I I found a lot of truth in is that the this policy is not does not have it's it's only effect is not just to stop people from coming in these are these are people with with sentiments and de, such a strong desire to come into the US that you see you see the United States of America turn you away and say you're not worth it to us because we're scared that you're a danger mm -hmm. uh a lot of the argument was, well, okay, sure, we may be stopping terrorists from coming in, but are we actively creating terrorists mm -hmm. with these policies that seem to exclude solely on on religious background? And, and of course, there's an argument that it's not solely on religious background, but when the entire media uh, has publicized it as the Muslim ban, it, it's hard to it's hard to separate what President Trump was trying to do and what the effect uh, of it was. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, entirely um, uh, the crux of the question. Um, the term Muslim ban uh, itself, you know, we were, uh, uh, there was a big issue with the naming of the event itself that we had to deal with. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and uh, we realized, you know, as we went on, um, the political implications of the way this thing is perceived in the first place. Mm -hmm. And the media plays a big role. Um, and there's, it's one thing, um, uh, what, what, the, what, it, what the executive order actually says is one thing. And I th honestly think very few people have read it. Yeah, very few very people few. who have strong opinions on it have read <laughs> it. Uh, so um, so when there's one thing uh, uh, is the executive order itself. That's one thing. But then... The other thing is in, entirely is 
you know, the perception of it and the buildup of the perception of it. Mm-hmm. And um, that's fueled by the media. That's fueled by, uh, you know, the people you talk to. That's fueled by um, uh, terms like the Muslim ban. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's one thing and there's another thing. And I think it's important to focus in on the actual executive order, yeah. that document yeah. um, itself. And to, um, you know, for both liberals and conservatives to engage mm-hmm. in discussion, um, you know, to focus on the exact um, document rather than to, um, you know, uh, follow the media, follow um, perceptions yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, whether you look at it um, and still, you know, um, perceive it as a Muslim ban, that's that's another thing, too. Yeah. Um, 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 and I, th- I think that a lot of a lot of the thing is when a lot of people a lot of conservatives said, you know, when a lot of people actually read it, they would go from calling it to a Muslim ban, you know, to mm-hmm. something else. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. Because the ban or the, the executive order itself is a lot different from a lot of what a lot of people think. And yeah. personally, that, that was a case for me. I yeah. didn't read it a- actually in entirety um, until a few days before mm-hmm. uh, we started making the presentation. And mm-hmm. when I read it in entirety, I was actually pretty surprised yeah. at the language of it. Um, yeah. Uh, and uh, I use I construed it as something entirely different, but it seemed like a you know more of a normal mm-hmm. um, kind of uh, mm-hmm. political action mm-hmm. um, than something else. Mm-hmm. In a perfect world, uh, what would an effective response to the refugee crisis and terrorism be that that would uh, in a perfect bridge cow we would sit down and we would write down specific policies and then. Uh, uh, but it's never going to be as clean as that. But I, I think that we, I felt that we reached some common ground within the sides and, and definitely an understanding of what the other side might want and what what your side might want and, and how those two can work together. Yeah. I thought this question specifically during the discussion, we found, you know, astounding amount of agreement mm-hmm. from people who were just absolutely contentious in the beginning of the discussion Very true. found a lot of agreement on the idea that you know the united states needs to stop its militaristic impulses needs to stop its imperialistic impulses mm-hmm. needs to stop contributing to the spread of terrorism around the world mm-hmm. and the way to do that is you know pull out of the middle east mm-hmm. i think donald trump it's, himself wants to pull out of the middle east Very, right yeah. um so uh, you know, I think that there's a lot of agreement on, um, you know, the causes of terrorism and how to prevent the cause of terrorism. Mm-hmm. Um, on the Syrian refugee crisis itself, uh, there was some disagreement on whether or not, um, you know, the United States would have a moral or political responsibility to non-U.S. citizens fleeing situations in their own countries. You know, should we help people in general? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, you know, the, the first impulse is to say yes, of course, right? Mm-hmm. Um but then, you know, when you get into the specifics of it, um, when you get into um, how exactly it would play out logistically, when you actually look at, uh, um, uh, you know, the specific vetting procedures that we have in place, the kinds that we would develop, mm-hmm. even if we have the strictest, um, you know, how likely it would be um, or how plausible it would be and easy it would be for somebody who's pretending to be a good actor, who's actually a bad actor, come in, mm-hmm. um, it becomes a more difficult question. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, whether or not you still believe mm-hmm. um, that the United States does have, you know, a responsibility to bring these people in um, is entirely up to you. But I think it's important for everyone to understand um, not only things from a 
um, perspective of you know what we ought to do, but also understand uh, the current day realities yeah. and the situations. What we can yeah, do, exactly. What we can do as a country, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and I think that that often a lot of people, no one. No one offered up their home for these Syrian refugees to come stay in. Mm-hmm. But also, no one, no one said, "No, I hate them. I, I'm glad that they're dying." There's the the issue becomes not do we or don't we help them, but how much can we help them? And and there was an interesting uh, a point that that some of these people within Syria and and other kind of war torn nations have pretty close, mainly Islamic countries that would be, in a cultural standpoint, a, a better fit for these people. They're closer. They're, you don't have to get on a plane, but, mm-hmm. you know. And so I think that there were some good points about, well, you know, maybe we can't bring in this many, but maybe we can help people in this way. And so mm-hmm. I, I, yeah. that was interesting. So it was the idea of, you know, re- relocating them to countries, you know, within their sphere rather mm-hmm. than bring them all the way across the world to the United States, mm-hmm. um, which was an important point. Um, and I think it's a very real point. Um, you know, another conservative argument I heard that I thought was interesting, kind of surprised me was, you know, we shouldn't do this in a political way. Like we can do this without having mm-hmm. to, um, um, uh, you know, have orders and agreements. And I would specific. say that that, that that was a from a libertarian perspective, yeah, which okay. I think is an important distinction. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was a libertarian's perspective that, um, uh, you know, what if people just did this on an individual basis? What if people said, um, uh, you know, I personally can house these people mm-hmm. and, and uh, you know, brought them in of their own accord and said, okay, I'm going to do this to help out uh, – um, these people on my individual basis. So it's the idea of charity or the idea of, um, you know, helping people out, but turning it from a, um, a kind of uh, mandate uh, of authority mm-hmm. into something that people can do of their own accord and individual will, mm-hmm. which I think is important. Um, you know, like you said, in a perfect world, in a bridge cal perfect world, we'd have a very productive discussion where you have people, you know, from this side of the um, political spectrum, this side of the political spectrum, to come together and form a agreement, an agreement on uh, the ban itself, and also an agreement on the kind of procedures we should develop um, um, with regard to these refugees. And I think, uh, you know, me and you had a discussion. Um, itself, you know, a couple of weeks before the actual discussion mm-hmm. where we said, um, you know, I was taking a conservative stance, you were taking a liberal stance. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, you know what, if you look at Sweden, for example, look what's happening in capital Sweden, um, you know, um, sexual assault rates have increased. Mm-hmm. And here's some proof mm-hmm. that it could be a result of um, uh, different Muslim groups coming in. Um, mm-hmm. And also especially the fact that um, Sweden changed a lot changes laws to, um, you know, not document whether, uh, uh, not document the ethnicity um, or religion mm-hmm. of the person, of the, of the attacker in sexual assault cases mm-hmm. when you saw this rapid increase. Um, and I think that people like Milo, um, for example, bring this up s- continuously mm-hmm. um, uh, as, as a very big point. Um, and then you said, uh, um, you know what, why don't we... Uh, you know, have some kind of policy in place where we're willing to bring people in, um, but also 
you know, crack down on um, sexual assault crimes as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we see this kind of trend happening, the same things we've seen in other countries mm-hmm. when you've had uh, massive amounts of, um, of uh, immigration. immigration from refugees, then uh, we would curtail it, we would stop it. Yeah. Um, or we can have a plan in place where we will um, you know, document the ethnicity and religion of the attacker yeah. um, in the first place. And their place of origin. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's constant compromise yeah. that develops policy. Yeah. It's compromise between both sides. Mm-hmm. And you have your points, and then the, these points are also valid. Yeah. But the, the trick is being able to um, hold on to your ideals still, but mm-hmm. able to do that in a way um, where you're still allowed to be productive in forming policy. Mm-hmm. And you're still allowed to um, um, give the other side a chance and give the other side a chance. And mm-hmm. there's a back and forth as well. And I, I think that in a more broad sense that we've gotten to a, a place where where politicians aren't able to win on the fact that by by shouting from the rooftops that they'll work with the other side. There's, a, there's an inherent I will make sure to fight tooth and nail for every conservative, every liberal, every libertarian, you know, ideal, and and I won't let it go. And I, I think that, that that boxes these politicians into, into exactly that, into an unwillingness to compromise and work with each other. And I think that it's absolutely detrimental to the nation for, uh, to, for 50% of it to say, we need we want these policies and we won't have these policies and the other side to to be in almost completely disagreement with yeah. them simply based on party lines and it, that's what we're trying to we're hoping to fix yeah. at bridge cal that we think with discussions like this we we found common ground and we found a, a way forward within this yeah. policy and i think an important thing you brought up is the chicken and egg question mm-hmm. um is the idea whether is it the constituents that are fueling this divide or is it the politicians that represent the constituents that are fueling this divide mm-hmm. i think it's a little bit of both yeah. right so i think that the way to fix this is to have a cultural change mm-hmm. um in which uh you have liberals and conservatives um talking to the other side and actually understanding their points and beliefs um, um, and putting their own points and beliefs under continual tests mm-hmm. of strength mm-hmm. um, and, you know, just opening avenues of communication between people in general, not only politicians, but people in this nation need to open up avenues of communication to the other side and have a willingness to um, engage in discussion and debate that challenges your points of views but also to detoxify debate and discussion, mm-hmm. um, where rather than a shouting match, um, it becomes, you know, and it's a lot harder to do this. It's a lot harder to do this than a, than a shouting match, but it's so necessary. Um, rather than a shouting match, it needs to be one in which, you know, we really patiently under, we patiently listen. We take away what we can. We understand exactly where they're coming from. And then we respond. But we mm-hmm. respond in a way that doesn't try to just, you know, um, that isn't just a rehearsed way of reinforcing our own beliefs, Mm, but, -hmm. you know, incorporates their own um, uh, micro foundations as well. So if we're appealing to a conservative about security on, you know, an issue like trans rights, um, then we should frame it in that specific way. 
um, rather than just you know having the same type of dialogue that we've been having, we need to appeal to the other, the other side mm-hmm. um, if we want to change their views. Yeah. And if we can't change their views, that's fine too. Um, but we shouldn't agree to disagree. Yeah. We should still always yes. um, engage in continual discussion. And that's the way we move forward.